Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Industry Seating. It is Sunday, June 6th, 2021. Just got back from Thunder Valley. Well, actually got back last night. That was pretty nice, being able to fly back the night right after the race and uh, sleep in my own bed, wake up, and go through my routine at home, which is going to be very rare for me for the next few months. I have a, a ton of travel upcoming, which I'll share with all of you guys as I'm on the road. I'll be doing this podcast remotely many times, uh, traveling domestically, internationally, all kinds of things going on, which I'm excited about, but looking at my schedule, it's pretty daunting. So I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast before we jump into the racing action. Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Blenzall, Works Connection, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, Pro Glow Wash and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them. And I'll jump into some more info on a few of those later. But why not jump into the 250 class right away? I don't see why not. Interesting day, right? We, we did see uh, a little bit of uh, destruction and demolition and arbitrage and however you want to break it out. Guys got hurt. It's an unfortunate aspect. Maybe the most unfortunate aspect of this sport is that we do have a high attrition rate. Attrition was the word I was looking for there earlier. And we lost, uh, we lost Alex Martin to a broken arm. That was a bummer. We lost, uh, we, well, we lost Phil Nicoletti. It sounds like maybe as well to a shoulder in the 450 class. I'm thinking maybe we lost Jay Mart too. He came in with a wrist injury, came out, came in with a shoulder injury and watching pretty closely. I don't know what you guys could see and not see, but it looked like his wrist didn't handle that that crash very well. And he tried to go back out there and he was kind of cruising around. You could see him trying to ride, but you kind of couldn't. So the off weekend couldn't come at a better time for him, but I just don't know. Um, you know, this was the concern throughout the season is, is would he be able to withstand a crash? And we saw him tip over in qualifying at, uh, Paula, which I thought was reassuring, that was just a little tip over. This was seemed much more significant and clearly his body just doesn't have the ability to withstand it, right? He's beat up. He's got multiple injuries he's dealing with. And even on top of that, he, you know, he won the first moto, like he can clearly ride, but this series is so long. You have to line up and do it 24 times and things just happen. You crash. And even if you don't crash, there are big moments where your body gets jarred and you're not really prepared for it. And that's what I always felt. And I, and I try to not insert myself into these podcasts, but I try, I also want to look at it from my perspective 
is when you're racing, you can't really protect yourself from the unexpected. Where if you're practicing, you can. You can if you see a bump, you know you're going to hit a bump weirdly or whatever. You can get the brakes. You can kind of move out of the way. You can do lots of things. But in a race, you're pushing so hard and you're taking chances that the bike does weird things and, and unexpected things happen that you're just not prepared for. And that puts a lot of strain on your body that you can't shield it away from. And it's just a different environment. And obviously the crashing and first turn issues, you know, which we didn't see for him yet, but those things are always a possibility. You get into crashes that aren't your fault, which really wouldn't happen while you're practicing. There's just so many more variables to deal with at the race that you just can't prepare for. And we are, we've already seen it, right? We were in the fourth moto of the year and we see it strike Jeremy Martin already. Uh, he gets a terrible start, which to me probably put him at in, in this dire situation where he's forced to push the issue because I, I kind of believe if he gets a, he gets the whole shot again, or he's top five start, he probably doesn't crash there. You know, you're dealing with riders who are much less experienced. You're going much faster than they are. And they don't really know that you're going to be blowing by them doing five to 10 seconds a lap faster. Just the odds of you having an issue with a bad start go up exponentially. And that's not breaking news, but I think that's really what was a contributing factor to J Mark going down and, and maybe his season's over. We don't know. I hope not. That would be a huge blow to the series. Of course, as I mentioned, the off weekend will help, but he didn't look healthy at all when he tried to get back out there and ride. So just keep an eye on that. You know, maybe we'll get news. Maybe we won't. Maybe he's, he just continues on in the beat up damaged state that he's in. But, uh, as far as all of you who thought J Mart was going to run away with this series, that was a pretty big blow. Uh, Justin Cooper and, and Jet were really the story once J-Mart went out. And, you know, they already have some bad blood. You know, they've, they've toned it down a little bit. I don't believe that they hate each other or anything, right? There was the, the donuts and the dogs and all that stuff back and forth, all the rivalry. And a lot of that's just, you know, youthful exuberance. They're, they're still immature. And I don't mean that in a degrading term. It's just reality, right? They're still immature. They're young. And you know, in 10 years, they'll look back on some of that stuff and laugh and, and, you know, probably do a face palm, but that's the situation. They're young, make a lot of money. There's a lot of ego and emotion and expectation and pressure and all those things thrown into a pot. And then when things get crazy, yeah, you, you see things get said and things get done that they don't really mean. And, uh, you could see them getting really aggressive in that second moto. Thankfully, neither of them went down because we're probably going to need those two through the rest of this series to ensure that we have a great battle because it seems like those are your best two riders. Now we have a long way to go. I think some other guys will get better and I try to not make a habit of determining my overall opinion after a couple of rounds because just the tracks change, the weather changes. We just, you know, we know better than to draw conclusions this early because so many things change and, that, and that's going to go for the 450 class as well. And, you know, I would expect guys like Forkner to get better. And some of the guys that have struggled early, uh, I think they have a chance to come around, right? I think Hunter Lawrence will get back into this thing. You know, he's kind of been, he's been good, but he hasn't been winning level yet, right? He's been overshadowed by his brother. And I think he will be, get better when we get into some of the more Euro style tracks, which Mount Morris has certainly won where Hunter has a ton of experience on that type of soil, I think you'll see him get back into this thing as well. 
So this thing's far from over, but we've just seen really Jet and Justin Cooper so far. They seem to be the best of what's left, assuming that J-Mart is out. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything, but I just my, the eye test, he didn't look very good when he tried to get back out there. Um, I, I was watching him specifically try to ride, and you could just see he was in a ton of pain. Uh, so hopefully those injuries didn't take a significant turn for the worse. But either way, you know, he lost a ton of points in that second moto. Uh, as far as the rest of the guys, I don't know, man. I mentioned Forkner. That was that was really bad. Uh, he looked really tired. And to me, I'm I'm really going to try to not come down on him too hard. But it's it's unacceptable. You should not be getting tired. The amount of money you're paid, and I guess that doesn't really matter. But to me, it does. In my opinion, it does. Because it allows you to have every resource available. You can hire trainers. You can hire a different riding coach or whatever. You can hire the program and build the program that you feel is necessary to be successful, right? Resources and money and finances, the more you're paid, the more you're able to construct a program with whatever means you need. Whatever it takes to build that program, you can do it, right? I understand if a privateer riding out of a van with no money has a hard time being in shape because he maybe his practice bike broke. Maybe he doesn't have a riding coach. Maybe he does, doesn't have the, the knowledge base to get in shape, right? He doesn't know what to do. That's no excuse for a factory guy. You have every resource at your disposal. And if you don't, they will provide it for you. I, I know for a fact, if Austin Forkner reached out to his team and said, Hey man, I'm, I'm having a tough time getting in shape. I need help. He would have help tomorrow and he might have, he might have help tomorrow, whether he wants it or not, to be honest with you, knowing how uh, Mitch Payton approaches these things, but it's not just him. There are other guys too. You know, I think Colt Nichols is getting better, but his starts are killing him. You know, a lot of these guys, they have, they have work to do. They really need to improve because they haven't been in the mix as of yet. And, and I expect them to be Hunter's been okay. I mentioned him. I think he will get better, but there are, are a lot of guys who are, in my opinion, underperforming significantly so far. And a lot of people are probably scratching their heads and wondering, how do we get back into the series? And how do we get to the level of where we're honestly, where you're paid to be this off weekend will be big for that. There's going to be guys that this week's going to be tough because I keep coming back to Austin Forkner because I think he jumps off the page most significantly. He, he gets paid really well. He's one of the top uh, one of the highest paid 250 guys. And with that comes expectation. You are paid to perform, period, right? Kawasaki is expecting him to win. That's why That's why they hired him. That's why they pay him well, you know, and, and there is pressure there on him to be on the podium. I'm not saying you got to win. You know, the expectation is to win, but podium will suffice and he's nowhere near it. I mean, he's not even close. So I think this week should be brutally tough on him. He should be I mean, literally, he might be want to go ride today. Like he should be putting in every bit of effort and work this week. And you can back it down a little bit next week because you want to go into you want to go into race day at 100%. If if you're not 100% on race day, then you're kind of defeating the purpose. You're not really planning out your schedule right. But this week, with a weekend next week to rest up, you need to be hammered down. I mean, multiple 30-minute motos just beat the hell out of yourself because you've, you there's no time to waste. Like you're already behind the eight ball. He looked tired and, and I'm assuming some things there. That's fine. That's what, you know, we do. That's where we're analyzing post-race. 
but it's hard to say he didn't look tired there and he needs to get into some really hot environments. I don't know where he's got to go. Find somewhere hot and just go moto and, and get prepared because there's a lot of racing left. There's 10 rounds. You can turn this thing around, but you've got to be better than you were, especially yesterday. Have to be better and it's only going to get hotter. If you think yesterday was hot, buckle up because it's going to get a lot worse. Maybe not Mount Morris, right? That's usually temperate somewhat, but rolling on past that red bud, you get into these other rounds, you know, Millville can be an absolute scorcher. Not always, right? We've seen it cool as well, but I guarantee you once we get into August, you want to talk about Ironman and Bud's Creek and some of these rounds, Hangtown in September. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a hundred degrees. So the time is now, if you want to make improvements, you know, you're not there, you know, you're getting beat, you know, you're tired, do the work, right? It, it may not show up immediately. It may take two, three, four weeks to show up, but don't you want to, don't you want to speed up that process as quickly as possible? I'm sure you do. If you're Austin Forkner, because this can't be very much fun. Can't be a very relaxing environment or comfortable environment to come back to the truck uh, you know, with frustrating results. So that's kind of it for the 250 class. We'll see, but it looks like, uh, a two rider championship at the moment. Hopefully J Mart's back. You know, he can, if he is, if he is okay, he can get back in this thing. He just, he has to stay off the ground. He clearly can't crash his, his body, both wrist and shoulder can't hold up to it. It's just not healthy enough to deal with that. Uh, and I, and I do expect Hunter Lawrence to get better too. So maybe he can make this thing a series as well. As for the 450 guys, let's jump into the power rankings. And again, I say this every week. Uh, I know I have new listeners sometimes. So these power rankings are, they're a bit of a placeholder that keep me on task for my talking points. But also I like to follow trends, right? And these guys are improving and some of them are declining throughout the year. And that's incorporating Supercross too. That's not, it's not just an outdoors uh, only power ranking. This is a year long power ranking incorporating both series because I, I think we're seeing some trends of guys that are maybe not taking this motocross series as seriously. And other guys are ramping it up. They're seeing an opportunity to possibly win a national championship here. So they're really putting in extra effort. And I, and I like to see that dichotomy and, and see those things kind of, uh, converge and see where we end up. So at number 10, his first time, in the power rankings, and he was a 250 Supercross rider, so it's not really fair, but Christian Craig jumps in there, and, and I think he's earned it. If you look at his first two rounds, he got screwed on his overall at, uh, at Paula. He was much better than, I think his, I think he got 12th overall, which his results were much better than that, but I think he went 9-11 for 12th, which is brutal. Uh, I've been there. It sucks, but his riding is good, and, and you saw that show up at, uh, at Thunder Valley. He looks to be a top 10 rider right now and good for him, right? He had a brutally disappointing end to the Supercross series, breaks his leg at Salt Lake. And uh, yeah, he, he had an outside chance at the championship. You know, you look at the way Colt Nichols rode in that main event. It wasn't going to happen if you, if you kind of judge it in a vacuum and assume the same things were going to happen, you know, Christian Craig was going to lose the championship, but he's making good on his 450 motocross series. And he re-signed at Monster Star Yamaha. So that's really promising because we all know he can win races on the two, in the 250 class. And he's showing promise in the 450 class, which is where he eventually wants to end up for 2023. So good for him. Nice riding. Solid. He looks to be in shape. Uh, you know, he's on that 
Gareth Swanepoel training program. And I think everything's working. Like I, I really like what I'm seeing uh, from Christian Craig. And I don't even think he's all the way healthy yet, right? He's probably physically fit. But as far as being 100% back to where he was, I don't know that you can be immediately, right? He did have to take some time off. He broke his damn leg. Uh, thankfully didn't have to really do any like heavy surgery on it. Like I I've done that. I've had, you know, broken tib fib. That's a six month injury. This was of course not that, but taking time off and not being able to go through your exercise routine has a residual effect. Uh, so maybe he gets better from here at number nine. I have Marvin Muscan and I don't know what to make of Marvin. You know, he grabbed that great start in the second moto. And I thought maybe that was an opportunity to propel him forward, right? Stay in that top three. The track was absolutely brutal in the second moto. And when the track gets that tricky where you have to be really mindful of your lines and you have to be really precise, and that's a, a, a theme that I'm going to keep coming back to throughout these, these power rankings and riders is the precision that these riders had to show on this racetrack. That really works into what Marvin does well. He has incredibly high level of bike skill. Like he can put his front tires and rear tires exactly where he wants them to the inch. And he can wheel tap bumps and hop over little rough sections that would cause other people lots of problems. So I thought that this would be a good situation for him in the second moto when he got that start to stay there and he, and he just couldn't. So I don't know what to make of that. If he just wasn't comfortable or the pace was just a little bit too high, you know, I would assume it's probably a mix of both of those. But those guys shuffled him back a little bit. Still not a bad race, right? He, he's been inside the top 10 both weekends, so not catastrophic by any means. Um, I think he went 8-7 at the first round. He goes 9-9 at the second round. So clearly there's some room for improvement there. I don't think he's happy with those results at all, especially when you get the whole shot. You can't be happy with the ninth in the second moto. That's just, you know, Marvin Muscan's he's better than that, in my opinion. He's a better rider than that. I do think that he put in a ton of effort at the end of Supercross because he's in a contract negotiated year. He was in the middle of that negotiation at that time, and he knew that the KTM brass was coming to Salt Lake for the championship. So I think he went all in to try to perform at Salt Lake and really put on a show and impress the decision makers there. So maybe that effort for Supercross is showing up now that we're switching to motocross. He's just a little behind the eight ball. That, that would be my guess is we'll see him get better as he is able to return his focus to motocross. And that, that effort takes time. You don't just ride motocross for a week and have a great week. And then that show up on Saturday, it takes multiple weeks of building and gaining momentum and comfort and testing and all those things. And then finally you're like, Oh yeah, I'm good again. Uh, it just, it's a process and he might just be a little behind behind in that process. At number eight, I have Adam Cincerillo. And I thought about moving him up further because if you look at his results on the weekend, they were pretty strong, right? Uh, much better than he was before. I mean, he gets third overall. He goes 3-6. So you could easily say, how can you have him at number eight? But the fact is, last week he got 11th overall. It wasn't good. You know, he crashes out of the lead as we've seen him do. He crashes again this weekend while he's up there. Just he just fell over, no big deal, and he and he recovered really nicely. But until I can see him work through uh, some of these problems, where the arm pump thing, the crash thing, right? He's got to fix that stuff. But 
if he finds a way to get on the podium weekend and we got, he's moving up quickly. Uh, th- th- that will change very, very fast, but I'm kind of weighing, I'm weighing the supercross injury. I'm weighing his 11th overall at the first round. And then this was a nice bounce back. So I did move him into eighth place this week. And, uh, yeah, he's just going to have to, he's going to have to show me that weekend and week out, but I, I promise you, I will move him up very, very quickly if he makes this, this podium run habitual and number seven, Holy hell. I almost pushed this guy further back. Uh, Eli Tomac, what a bad day. And that's two weekends in a row of just really head scratching performances. And I would say that Thunder Valley was, it was worse. It was worse than Paula. And if you had told me that it, Thunder Valley is going to be worse than Paula, I would have kind of shaken my head, shook my head, something. I would have done something with my head to disagree with you because this is the track he's historically been excellent at. And this isn't a track he rode all the time. It's six hours away from his house. So the people that are like, oh, it's Colorado. He rode there all the time. That's not true. But if you look at the results in the past, it would indicate that he had a level of comfort here, right? Whether it was the altitude or whether it was the dirt or any combination of those things that raised his performance level, that was very visible, just scrolling back through the results. And, you know, we can all remember the dominant performances he's had at Thunder Valley, but this wasn't it at all. This was really, really far away from dominant. He was struggling to stay inside the top 10. Uh, even Marvin, who was ninth in the second moto, I mean, he dropped Tomac. I mean, dropped him. Tomac was... 16, 18, 20 seconds behind ninth place. I mean, he was, he was a full half track. I'm talking like a minute behind Roxon. And it wasn't like he got a terrible start. He was inside the top 10 on the first lap. So whatever is going on with Eli Tomac, it is significant. That was a very, very bad day. And I would imagine he is, uh, he's doing a lot of soul searching today. I don't know how else you could really approach it. They went back to their 2020 motocross setup uh, for this weekend to try to find some comfort for him. And if you watch the uh, the weed show on Friday, he seemed to be pretty confident going in the weekend that things would be back to normal. And they were just not. They were really far away from normal. Or were they? Is this the new normal for Eli Tomac? I just don't know at this point. I haven't seen and I, and I've been I've been harping on this. And you, I'm going to do the uh, the race review with Weege and Mathis in about an hour from now. Actually, an hour on the dot from now. And I'm going to keep going down the path of, is he just another guy now, right? If everything goes perfectly, can he win? Yes. But if everything doesn't go perfectly, is he a top five, top ten guy and maybe worse? I think that's also yes. And, you know, Steve really pushed back against me last year, which was fair. He's softening a bit on that, which I think he kind of has to because the results are are indicating that. But it's crazy. This this drop-off or I don't even know the right word to say. I certainly don't want to be insulting, but he's he's just getting worse. He does not look good on the racetrack. Uh, I, I thought with his qualifying time being pretty good that he would be a top-five guy in the motos, no problem. He just was nowhere near it. He was getting passed left and right. Joey Savacci, Cincerillos, uh, Cooper Webbs, all those guys were passing him kind of at will. And I don't know what I don't know when I've ever seen that. I and in Supercross we have, right? He gets arm pump. He's had these weirdo supercross races where we we've done endless podcasts about 
this didn't feel like that. This was like the very beginning. He never had any speed. He was never able to move forward all day. Just a weird, weird situation for Eli Tomac. And I don't know that it's going to get better because he's switching teams. He's 44 points out of the lead. Where is his motivation going to be other than just pride? If you, if your argument is that pride is going to bring him back to the front, okay, I can buy that because I, I, I know he's really pissed off. You have to be really pissed off when you go 10-10 or whatever his result was. But is that going to be enough? Is pride going to be enough to get him back on track? I don't know anymore. I, I don't think so, but I don't know. Number six, Chase Sexton. <sighs> Not as good, right? Not as good of a day as Paula. And and I kind of expected that. I, I did. Paula is such a unique racetrack. And anytime you race on a track that guys practice on all the time, you're going to see results that don't always find continuation. That I think they just are a little off what you'll see the rest of the year. Just practicing on a track has such a direct effect on race results. Guys are more comfortable than they would be. They have their their settings super dialed in. Uh, there's just so much, you know, mentally they're comfortable. There's just a lot happening, right? They sleep in their own bed the night before. There's just a lot to work through. And all that changes. You go to a different track. You go to Thunder Valley. You'll go to Mount Morris. These guys don't ride these tracks, right? They're going to show up. They're going to ride them on Saturday morning and, and practice. And then it's it's race time. So there's so much more to deal with. You're way less comfortable. You don't know the track as well. You don't know how the lines are going to shape up. You don't know the ideal setting. And I think experience helps in those situations. So it wasn't as shocking to see Sexton not going for the win this weekend. Uh, he was still good. You know, that, that second moto, he gets a fifth. That's pretty strong, but he certainly wasn't, you know, just ripping through the pack and about to win like he was in the first moto at Paula. Uh, so I think you'll see that from him when he's feeling it, he'll go for it when he's not, he'll be right around, you know, top three to top six. Um, but I, I'm still very, very optimistic about Chase Sexton's future. Uh, I just think, that Paula may have been a little bit early as far as thinking he's going to win. Because if you look at last year, and this is kind of where I'm drawing these conclusions. If you look at last year, he was the fastest qualifier several times. I think his best moto finish, uh, oh, he won. I shouldn't say that. He, he did win Paula, but he was running around that fourth place until Paula. And he kind of had a breakout ride there. But there were many weekends where... He looked to be the fastest guy in qualifying, and then he couldn't back that up in the motos. He kind of got left by the Osbournes and, and the guys at the front, Cincerillo and all those guys. So maybe that's what we see again this year. Maybe he's able to close the gap. Um, but that, that I just kind of expected more of a reversion back to him being one of the guys again. Number five is Plessinger, and Plessinger is a real deal, man. He was strong again this weekend. He's solid both motos. He's in shape. He's riding well. His starts are good. So, you know, he, he gave me some uh, some flack in the weed show after Paula for underestimating him, and that's, that's fair. I deserve it. You know, uh, I can only predict what I think is going to happen, and then I have to 
change my mind if the evidence dictates that I should. And it, and it certainly does in this case. Uh, AP looks like he's ready to have a great summer. He looks like he's going to be a perennial top five guy because everything's kind of clicking. The fitness is there. As I mentioned, the speed's there, the starts are there. Everything that you would want to see is happening. And it looks like that motorcycle has taken dramatic steps forward in 2021, not only for him, but also for Dylan Ferranda. So good for AP. Great job. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? He's just a lot better than what I expected. Want to talk about Pirelli tires a little bit. They have that new range of Scorpion MX-32 Midsoft Mini tires. So if you're getting ready for Loretta's, you have your regional coming up this month, break out that Scorpion MX-32. It's going to get you a great start. The uh, straight line drive on the starts is just phenomenal. That's why I always use that MX-32. So check those guys out. Plum Creek Funding. You can reach Zach Morris at 720-212-4685. Highly recommend you do a refi on your house. Get that interest rate lower. You can still get it into the threes right now, which is a great deal. If you're looking to buy something, good luck to you on the on the front end because there's no inventory out there. Uh, but if you're wanting to buy like a rental house, you're wanting to buy a second home, it's about a 20% uh, rate to get uh, into a rental house right now. You need 20% down, but you can do a second home. Say you want, you're, you've been looking for your vacation home forever, right? You can do it for 10% down right now. You can get that rate. So call Zach, ask some questions. I, that's what I always recommend. If you don't know a lot about this stuff, it's if it's new, but you see an opportunity to save yourself a ton of money, that's when you need to call Zach. So 720-212-4685. Guts Racing, why don't you go design your own graphics? That's pretty cool. I, I think being able to make your bike customizable for what you want, whether you own your own business, whether you have friends that help you, whether you just want to do something unique, Guts Racing offers that to you and you can make your bike just look sweet, right? Change it up, have a unique look. You don't have to look like a factory bike where it looks like it's right off the showroom. Make it look like exactly what you want. You can also get that RJ wide wing seat. That's going to give you a little bit more grip. The, uh, the Rockstar Husky team uses that seat because when you're riding, you're supposed to be using your seat and the side panels for grip. You're supposed to be riding with your legs much more than your arms. That's how it's supposed to be done. That RJ wide wing seat is going to give you more surface area to grab with, and it's going to allow you to get more grip. So check out Guts Racing at Guts Racing on Instagram for more information on that. Fast Foundry 2021, we know that business is tougher than ever. In some, some areas, it's not. Some areas, business is booming. Other areas, it's very, very difficult. But in both of those cases, you want to be as efficient as possible, whether you're needing automation, whether you're going to host an, you know, a, an online event, right? So many things are done via Zoom these days. They can help you with all those things. They work, work with startups, the Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between. So reach out to Fast Foundry, and you can go to fastfoundry.com, and, and, or you can call Fast Foundry and ask for Robert. And see how they can help your business become more efficient today. Works Connection. This is something pretty cool. At Paul, I didn't know this till midweek or I would have shared it last weekend. They swept both podiums with the Pro Launch Start device. That's that's pretty epic. And if you watch this weekend, they got more hole shots, right? Jeremy Martin and Justin Cooper and those guys ripping starts in the first moto. You see Roxon using that Pro Launch Start device to rip hole shots. It's just a really cool, uh, I think if you're, if you're sweeping both hole shots and the podiums, uh, with a, you know, everybody's using the, the same starting device that says something that's really indicative of a product working. And I could not be more happy for 
Eric Phipps and the Works Connection crew to uh, do that. You can also use promo code JT21 to save yourself some money at checkout if you want to get a Pro Launch Start device for yourself. Blenzol has that new Ultra TPI that's out. You can go, they, they have a brand new catalog that just hit hot off the press. So check out all the new products they have. They're sponsoring a ton of guys. I listen to the MX Vice podcast quite a bit. They sponsor those guys. They sponsor Daniel Blair's podcast, Main Event Moto. But more importantly, their list of products has been around forever. They have tried and true products, and they're also innovating new stuff for needs that have come up lately. So check out that new Ultra TPI. That's the latest and greatest from Blenzol. Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, if you're doing any sort of restoration, maybe you just want to get your bike super stand-up Florettas, right? That's what I see a lot of guys doing. Like They're hammering their practice bike all summer. But their, their race bike, they won't break that thing out till Loretta's. Maybe they'll use it at the regional, but a lot of times they'll save it for Loretta's. Why don't you send some of those parts off to Premier Vapor Blasting and get that thing looking brand new so when you roll into Tennessee, you have the sickest bike in the pits. 612 suspension. Guys, get your damn oil changed for real. If you ride a lot, you're going to notice a difference. It's probably, and I, I'm making some assumptions here, but I believe it's the most important thing you can do to your bike to improve performance for a lot of people, because there's so many people that just don't realize how much of a, of a difference there is with fresh oil, especially if you've never gotten it done. Like if you bought a bike and there are a lot of people in 2021 that got a bike or 2020, because we saw this huge uh, surge in bike sales, the stuff they put in your bike stock is garbage. Send your stuff off, send us to 612 suspension, ask for Ronnie, He's going to give you a discount if you mention the podcast. And this is Racetech quality. He is a Racetech affiliate. So if you even want you want gold valves, you want to revalve your entire suspension, we can do that too. And you know exactly what you're getting because as we know, Racetech's been around forever and it's a name you can trust. So thank you to 612 Suspension for being a part of this as well. Grandstone Boots, reach out to those guys. You going into work tomorrow? You have a meeting? Going out to dinner this week? You should have Grandstone boots on. I had them on. I didn't get to go. I had to go to the race this weekend, but I got to go to Vegas tomorrow. So I promise you I'll be taking my Grandstone boots with me because I'll be going to several dinners. I'm doing a work trip, and then that's going to turn into a little bit of a vacation trip too. So when I'm on vacation, we'll be going out to nice dinners, and I will have my Grandstone boots on. So check those guys out, GrandstoneBoot.com and at GrandstoneBoot on Instagram. ProGlow Wash. The promo code is Moto15. And if you're looking for something to get your bike clean, you're, you have that kind of nasty, if some of you guys live in Georgia, right? That's where premier vapor blasting is. You have that orange clay. That's brutal to get off. Uh, if you live in a track that has kind of an oily substance, there's a few tracks in Florida that I used to ride that have that any of those tracks that are really hard to get your bike clean and that you wash and you're like, damn, it still looks dirty. That's where pro glow wash comes in. It's specifically built for power sports to get that hard to remove dirt off. So use the promo code MOTO15, save yourself some money, but ProGo Wash is where you want to be. So thanks to Ryan and the team over there for uh, for being a part of this. And really, I just want to get you guys more familiar with these products so you can start to work them into your rotation. You know, a lot of these companies are small. They're trying to get off the ground. They're trying to, you know, earn new customers. And this is where this all comes in, right? It's it's me sharing information with you so you can buy the best products available. And ProGo fits exactly into that. Last but not least, Fly Racing, Kinetic Mesh is in dealers. 
we're out of it for, for the most part. Western Power Sports is out of it, but a lot of dealers have it. So please check that out. Go to flyracing.com. Check out the Formula Helmet. Check out all the cool products we have. I'll be out there selling it this week in the Las Vegas area. So hope to see some of you if you're listening. So the final few guys of the power rankings, and before we jump into those, thank you to all everybody for listening to the, the sponsor reads. I know it's not why you're listening to the podcast. You don't listen because you want to hear about sponsors, but it's a necessary part of the process. And I, and I do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to them and, and consider uh, spending your hard-earned money with these sponsors. So number four is Justin Barsha. And I have been incredibly impressed with Justin Barsha this summer. I didn't expect this at all. I don't know what I expected, to be honest, but I didn't expect this. I didn't expect him to be in podium contention the first two rounds. That That's fair. I can be as, I can be transparent with that. And that second moto, uh, Ferrandis gets him super late there, but he still rode really well. You know, I, I'm not going to hold that against him. You look at how strong he was at Paula and moving forward, and then you look at him ba- uh, back that up this weekend in Thunder Valley, and then you, you look at the, the races ahead, you know, Mount Morris certainly suits his style. It's an, you know, Northeast track. It's in Pennsylvania. He's from New York. He, he likes the ruts. He likes, uh, inclement weather, which is always a possibility in Pennsylvania. So keep an eye on Barsha. I'm not saying he's going to win the title. I, I don't believe he will, but I could see him racking up more and more podiums, right? Southwick is a great race for him. Mount Morris looks good. Unadilla, of course, Ironman has always been good to him. There's a lot to like about, you know, what Justin Barsha has coming the rest of this summer. Number three, a lot of you guys are probably going to be pissed at this, but I have Cooper Webb still at three. Is he going to move backwards quickly if he doesn't perform? Absolutely. But I'm still weighing that Supercross championship. He was better this weekend than I he was at Paula. Uh, I, that's what I believe. He was more relevant. Okay. His results weren't great. I understand, but I did see some fight from him. Even though he started second and went backwards, I saw some fight. I think he's going to improve. I just don't know if that improvement is going to get him into the podium mix because he's pretty far off that. Like he has nothing for Roxon right now and really nothing for Ferrandis. And it's really not close at the moment. So he's got a lot of work to do on that front, but I think he's going to be a little better and I'm still weighing the hit. He was just so good in Supercross. Oh my God, was he so good at the end of that Supercross season. So I'm still putting a lot of weight on that, but I I will start to move him backwards from here. I already did, right? I moved him back already, and I will continue to if his results dictate that, but I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt from that Supercross championship. Number two, Dylan Ferrandis, and these these next two are are pretty self-explanatory. You know, he loses the red plate this weekend, but he really backed up what we saw at the first one. He was one of the best guys. And, okay, saying it wasn't as good as Roxon, all right. I mean, he, he almost beat him the first moto. He he says he lost his rear brake. You could argue he would have won the first moto if he if he has a rear brake. The second moto, you know, no one was really touching Roxon. But that's okay. Like, Ferrandez has to be happy with that performance. He's, I think, one point out of the lead, and I'm going from memory, but I believe he's one point out of the lead. So you have to love everything you're seeing about Dylan Ferrandis right now. He just looks great. He looks like he is going to be a championship contender all the way through, right? He has every piece of the puzzle right now. His starts are okay. His fitness is great. It was super hot, which was, I didn't know how he would be in the heat. He was great. Uh, The bike looks phenomenal. 
he looks confident. Like he doesn't look like he's intimidated whatsoever by any of these 450 guys, which I talked about last week. I think that was a big step, right? You need to get over that hump where you don't care about these guys anymore. They're just a, a group of racers again. Just because you watched them on TV and just because they were in the class above you and all these things, once you work past it mentally and you jump over that hurdle, it's over. You don't even, it doesn't matter anymore. They're just your peers now. They're not superior or better in any way. You don't have to be fearful or intimidated or worrisome. You just got to go beat them. And I, I think that's where Ferrandis is now. Number one, Ken Roxon and man, he deserves it. He's won three out of four motos kind of out of nowhere. And, you know, he was leading the charge on don't expect much, you know, from me this summer. I was in that same thought process too. Even before he said that, I kind of felt that way because the end of his supercross season was so difficult for him. And when you up the physical burden, I didn't think that would really be a good thing for him, but I'll be damned if he didn't go out there and dominate in a, a pretty hot race yesterday. It wasn't what we're going to see. It was not as hot as we're going to see, but it was tough. Uh, go ask some of the guys that were struggling if it was hot or rough. And it didn't seem to phase Roxon at all. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but when I watched Roxon ride yesterday and, and I went back and watched this morning on TV and I was there at the race and I, you know, I was watching on video and trackside and I came home and watched TV. So I've watched a lot of different angles and, and seen from different perspectives now the precision that he was displaying and, and executing was just next level. I mean, he was putting the bike exactly where he wanted it. He was picking the rut he wanted to. He was downsiding everything perfectly. And it looked effortless. He was just doing things that other riders couldn't do. And he, and he didn't look like he was trying very hard. And that should be very, very scary for the rest of the field. And I know... That's deceiving, right? Because Roxon would probably say, yeah, I was trying really hard. You know, that's not easy to do. But when we're all watching, whether it's at the track or on TV, it didn't look very hard. He didn't look like he was, he was under a lot of, uh, a lot of strain to just put an ass whooping on everybody. Pardon my language. So I would be very concerned if I was the rest of the field about what I'm seeing, because we, we know that when Roxon finds this form, 2014, 2016, he, sh he just displayed it sporadically at other times. No one can really touch him. Like he's just better than everybody when he's on that level. And I'm not saying he's there. It's only been four motos. We have 20 to go, right? And, and we should know better than to draw conclusions. Look at the Supercross season we just had, right? He fell apart. It can happen again. I don't know if it will, but damn, he looked good yesterday. So congrats to him on any level, regardless of where we go from here. That was an incredible ride, and he deserves a ton of credit. So that's your top 10. A few other notes I had. Zach Osborne, he's, he's struggling with his health, um, back issues, and just a lot to work through. So, man, I, I feel for you, Zacho. I hope uh, hope this off weekend does a lot of good for you. You know, if you don't know Zach, he's a great guy. Don't believe what you read. If you're looking at social media from a few out there, that's complete crap. Um, Zach is a great guy and he does things the right way, treats people well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling for Zacho. Um, the veterans, are they done here? Is this it? Like, do we have a full changing of the garden? That's something we talked about last week on this show. I'm sure I'll be talking about it again in 38 minutes with, uh, Steve and Wygant. 
is the changing of the guard in full effect. You know, Roxon's holding it down for the old guard, if you want to consider him that. I guess we have to at this point. But the Sextons, the Cincerillos, the Ferrandeses seem like they're coming, right? I mean, the Muscans and the Tomax and those guys are really struggling. So there's there's pretty compelling evidence after two rounds that we may be uh, signaling that, that changeover. I'm not there yet. I, I think it's too early. It, it just takes a ton of evidence for me to say that, yeah, the old guys are no good anymore and the new guys are, are way better. You know, even though Plessinger and all, all these guys that I keep mentioning, they're giving us more and more evidence and we're just, it's starting to become hard to ignore. I'm just not quite there yet. I, I want to see more. I want to see, get, get back to the East coast. If these trends continue that I'm in, I, I will have no choice, but I just want to see a little bit more first. Uh, I have here that, you know, Cincerillo is still improving. You know, he's been pretty forthcoming that he's finding his way back into this swing. He had time off. He didn't really get back into full riding until pretty late into the preparation time. So he feels like he's still trying to find his feet a little bit. Uh, he is leading laps. He's still qualifying incredibly well. So all those things are, are exactly what you'd want to see from him. And I think you'll see him get better and better. You know, I've been writing about it, talking about it. I think you're going to see him qualify fastest most of the time. I think you're going to see him grab a lot of hole shots. And uh, that's going to that's gonna put him in a position to succeed throughout the season. Last note I have is on Tomac. I don't know. I, I, I talked about him already in the power rankings, but I don't know what to do here. I have the panic button out. I smashed it this morning. It's broken. It's laying all over the floor. If you're not pressing the, to- the panic button on Tomac, then I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, this is just not good. So pretty short one this week. Thank you to everybody for listening. I am going to try to do a midweek update, uh, a little bit of preview for MXGP that's upcoming. First MXGP round is next week, which is exciting. They will be in Russia. And I want to do a little bit of a MotoGP recap. A lot went on. Uh, where the hell were they? They were in Catalonia, which is in the north of Spain, just outside Bar- Barcelona. Uh, if you've never been to Barcelona, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite European cities. Uh, so they were there this weekend, and I want to cover a little bit of what we saw. There was some crazy stuff going on with Fabio Quartararo. I I don't know everything that happened. I don't think they've really handed out information. So I want to give that a couple days so I can really dive into that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun to talk about some MXGP stuff. There is no Lucas All Promotocross race next weekend. So I will cover MXGP next Sunday as well. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate you listening. Exciting racing. And uh, yeah, have yourself a good week. See you.